0: okay everybody hello again and we haven't had one of these in a little while just because scheduling issues but we are having another one of our Meet the Players episodes. This time, we've got the last player, and that is. Bryce. Okay. And Bryce, you play. Alistair, or. Cotter. Yeah. Yes. I
1: didn't know if we had that part yet.
0: Anyway. Um, so, Bryce, it is entirely your fault that we're all here right now. Um if I don't know if you remember way back when but back when you were in the 5th grade. Oh yeah. You came up to me. Yeah. And said, "Hey dad, you know anything about this Dungeons and Dragons thing?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I used to play back in the day." And unfortunately, we lost all of uh all of my books and miniatures and all that stuff, all the modules when the garage fire happened. But uh we said, "Yeah, we can probably go down and get the uh the the books and and uh, pick it up if you want." And uh, so we did, and that was unfortunately 4th edition, which is a little complex, but we kind of simplified it for the uh, the elementary school folks, and, and you guys got a bunch of your friends together, and uh, we had a regular game. And then the 5th edition playtest came out, and we went all the way through that, and then after that we decided, hey, we ought to do a podcast, and the rest, as they say, is you, history. You decided, hey, we should do a podcast. Well, I think we all kind of talked about it, but... Anyway, so what attracted your fifth grade mind? And granted, that was like a dozen years ago. But what attracted your fifth grade mind to um, Dungeons and Dragons? What was the appeal way back when?
1: To be honest, it was probably like at the book fair or something, and or something relating to it, and it had like nice fancy cover art. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I really don't remember, but most likely it was at a book fair or in a library somewhere, mm-hmm. and I found a book about it. Or, yeah, yeah, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, well, the, the book fairs did have a bunch of the mythology books, um, and uh, yeah, it's a short jump from there. And actually, that's not too um, out of order uh, because I know that the first book that I got in the Dungeons and Dragons uh, set way back in the AD&D days was the Monster Manual. And most people, when you listen to them, that's the first book they got as well. And, and no doubt why. I mean, you, you had the uh, cover of the Monster Manual and, and it had all the different monsters all you know, running around. and It's like, well, what's that? I must get a hold of that. And then that just led to, okay, now we need the Player's Handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide and away we went. Hmm. So anyways, do you remember much about the early uh, games way back when? Were they fun? Uh
1: yeah, I remember doing like the 4th edition Red Box set like Christmas afternoon, I think we did when we like got the f- Red Box set for the first time and we didn't actually finish that day, which was annoying because we lost a character cuz he didn't live with us. It was like my uncle and we couldn't play with him. So that was kind of annoying, but we still managed to like go through it. Then we got like three other friends to come and like join me and my brother and play some more. And then that group has formed and reformed probably like 5 times mm-hmm. with yep. at least like 4 people. No, probably more like 4 people who were consistently in it. There were probably like 8 people who jumped around that group of people.
0: Yeah. Well, for the playtest, we did have a couple uh, of folks yeah. that jumped in just to do the playtest, they wanted to be a part of that. Uh, they had uh, you know, no intentions of being part of the larger campaign, but they thought that the playtest either was uh, so enticing or so important that they wanted to be a part of it. So that was uh, kind of neat to see, and it was great to have them along for that part. They gave us a lot of really good feedback. Um, so actually, speaking of that, you guys went through the playtest, and I, I remember that very first time, and we got the PDF, from Wizards of the Coast, with the playtest rules, and that first iteration wasn't that far off of the original basic set mm-hmm. from 1979. I think I remarked on,
1: like, how, uh, I looked at my Warrior, like, entire leveling tree, and I was like, wow. This is pretty empty. This feels a lot more like first edition than fourth
0: edition. Yeah, because we actually pulled out the AD&D books one time and let you guys go through an adventure, uh, with the AD&D rules, just to see what the, the old rules were like. And actually, I remember your exact quote, um, you know, coming from 4th edition. And we put the playtest in front of you, and we gave you the fighter character. And you looked down and said, where are my powers? Or something to the effect of, like, I have no abilities. Yeah, yeah It was and, just, and I yeah, just, your
1: job is to hit things.
0: Yeah, I turned to you and said, you're a fighter. You hit things. <laughs> and you did. You guys picked up on that pretty good. Anyway, then you guys got to go through the whole process. Um iteration after iteration they added more and more complexity. Sometimes it got too complex and, t- and took it out. Um what what do you remember about that? What uh what what are your memories of going through the whole process and the high points there? I really felt that they
1: did a good job of shaping it with the feedback like I remember like, there'd be something we really didn't like. It was just something annoying to work with. And then, like, a few months later, we'd try to do it, and someone would be like, oh, wait, they removed that, so you can't... And it was nice, because it was an annoying feature at the time. But
0: Yeah. And, yeah, some of the stuff they they tried just playing flat out didn't work. And other stuff they tried worked, and, and they iterated on. Other stuff, I mean, we gave them feedback that uh, I guess wasn't on the top of their list it wasn't agreed with by most people and for lack of a better term they totally ignored I mean yeah we're like we were five people
1: sitting around like a lunchroom table so we probably weren't the majority for most things yeah
0: although some of that we brought forward you know we, have, we brought forward our uh, healing system that we developed during the play tests that uh, where we didn't quite get along with the one that wizards had put out so we just kind of went our own way, which is kind of fun. And hopefully the audience at home is is enjoying that change as well. It, it definitely means you guys are usually uh, starved for healing and uh, makes things a little, little more on edge. Okay. So that's uh, so that's where you came from. Um, let's go over where we're going to. And I guess we can't say entirely. So um, let's talk about Alistair or maybe we should say Cotter.
1: Yeah. Uh, we just had a,
0: a big reveal in the game in the last couple of episodes here, um, where apparently Alistair is not actually Alistair. So, uh, what can you tell us at this point, having, uh, just uh, your reveal what we have? And obviously just like with, uh, Guerneville's interview, um, uh, there's obviously a second reveal coming down the pike when other things happen, when we more fully get into, uh, alistair's backstory so tell us a little bit about alistair and where he came from so
1: first of all everyone was a whole lot more accepting and that talk was a whole lot easier than i thought it would be just like oh yeah
0: i'm not who i said i was oops well (laughs) at the same time uh we found out that you know adri Uh, isn't who she said she was either and we found out that uh you know arlen comes from a shack in the middle of the desert with a crazy dude and uh then uh you know Gurnville doesn't even know where he comes from and uh you know uh it's uh kind of an open question as to what exactly happened to give us no one so so maybe this was the uh proper group to uh Mm -hmm. to have a, a mysterious character in you mean the group of mysterious characters? Exactly. Yeah, and, and actually, as I put in in the Dungeon Master's notes for the awkward dinner party, uh, back in the you know very beginning of the whole podcast when we had the dinner party and you guys had finally had a chance to talk, and I said, "Oh, and you're all sitting there. You finally realize you got a chance to talk." And there were just crickets around the table. I'm like, "Oh, this isn't going to go well."
1: Yeah, I was sitting there like, "Okay, let's see what I can talk about. My upbringing? No. How I got to the monastery? No." how i made it to i mean i could talk about walking over to what's the lowford t- lowford but that's not very interesting There, there is really nothing that i could talk about without giving th- i probably should have thought that up <laughs> or like alistair probably should
0: have thought that up about like what's his story yeah what's his cover story for this mysterious background he has yeah Um, Anyway, so what can you tell us at this point in time? Obviously, in the game, um, you know, we run into one of Cotter's old friends who ID'd him in in the uh, hiring hall there in Koleskwe, and he had to actually cop to the fact that he's not actually Alistair, he's actually Cotter. And uh, so, what can you tell us about Cotter and his backstory? So, first of all,
1: when I was writing. So he has to pretty much just like write up a short little paragraph ish about what you expect your character to be like and how you can, how your backstory will pan out. And I included as much language as I could stating, my character is no one important, they just happen to be a noble. So of course, he comes and tells me, oh yeah. You just happen to be, like, the second the second son of, like, the second most powerful family. Yeah, third or fourth or fifth. Somewhere in there, yeah. So, like, oh, yes, I'm the son of the... I said, oh, yeah, I just want to be the son of, like, a minor noble who just, like, happens to do this and be, like, rich but not too rich. And then he gives me the, like, second biggest trading family. Of course.
0: Yeah, third or fifth or something like that. Yeah, you're rich but not too rich. But but that's that's the rules though. I mean, you, you guys give me your backstories, but once you give them to me, the world is mine. So you get to uh, you get to roll with it. And actually, this um, goes to kind of inform how we came up with this world of far. So I drew up the initial map. I came up with a the theme for it. It was you know post Roman uh, Celtic, and uh, so I came up with a map and it put on the big cities and some of the small cities and rivers and things like that. And then I asked you guys to give me the backstories. And then those backstories actually told me what was in there. I actually hadn't really considered much about Porta Magnum aside from the fact that it was a city built on tiers on the mountainside. But then when you came to me with your backstory, and uh, then I'm like, oh, so then there's nobles. And then, oh, so the the more noble people will be up in the top. And then, you know, peasants will be in the bottom. And that just took off from there. And so you actually created the whole uh, realm or city of Porta Magnum with your backstory. So good and job, then I that. actually
1: turned the city of Porta Magnum on its head. Originally, he wanted the tiers to be in the inverse order. So right now it's the first tier that's the
0: top. Well, I, I, I made the mistake in the early episode where when they first ran into uh, it... Uh, in uh, sentinel hill ran into folks in port of magnum I, I mixed it up in my mind and had the guys coming from one of the higher tiers when they should have come from the lower tiers but it uh then there was a thing about it. it's like no it makes more sense if you're in the first tier the first tier is the best tier right yeah because yeah. it's number one and then yeah from there so that, that made much more sense
1: And then yeah um and when he first showed me the map i expected it to take like Ages to walk around and it would be just oh, Portum Magnum, it's so far away from everything else it'll be just I'll never ever run into anything from over there and then it's like, oh yeah, it takes like two weeks to walk across, yeah
0: pretty much yeah and um so Alistair or Cotter comes from Portum Magnum now, why did Cotter change his name when he became a paladin can can we talk about that, or is that still super secret
1: I mean in that's not too secret. It's... Or, I mean, it's not outside the realm of assumption. So I'll... I'm fine talking about it. Pretty much. I mean, you already noticed that Alistair got recognized. And that back in... Uh, it's not Calium City. It's east instead of west of... So Sentinel Hill there? Sentinel Hill, Ex-Colver yeah. Colise. I recognize some other of my father's rivals men, I guess? Yeah, one of the other houses, yeah. Yeah. So if port magnum traders are all over the valley, I couldn't really just go around with, like, the same name as one of the biggest traders without picking up some attention. So he picked up a new name... So that he wouldn't be tied back to that group as well. So when he went and joined the monastery, which he did, it wouldn't be as the son of the third most prosperous trading person in Porta Magnum. It would be as this person from somewhere. Yep. Who just happens to be really, really good with a sword. What the heck? How is he this good? Yeah.
0: It, uh, maybe he's just a a, a a phenom, some sort of child prodigy. Who knows? But yeah. So, anyways, so Alastair uh, became decided to leave his uh, life of comfort and, and wealth and and uh, become a uh, poor and and uh, and destitute paladin who was out there healing the sick and and uh, righting the wrongs. Um, and then he got wrapped up into this whole thing. Yeah, and
1: that's been a point of contention within Alistair because. Although he's not really with like he hasn't met with his family in a very long time, except when his brother came at the Moon Festival. Moon Festival. And that really I pro you probably edited it out, but I probably spent like two, three minutes like sitting there thinking about what I wanted to say to him because like although Alistair like doesn't really have that association with his family anymore. There's a plague in... If there's a plague in Porta Magnum...
0: That's what they said. There was great sickness, yeah.
1: Yeah, I could go and heal... six, seven people a day, and I would be immune to it. I could go and help. But if I left, then how would my group fare going through all the trials and tribulations it has
0: to go through still and it it was yeah so Alistair is really, was... really feeling a conflict right now he he's he's being pulled in two directions
1: and then also my monastery's gone and then I haven't is the friar we never i never met him to give him the message do I have I read the message
0: nope yeah you you, so... you, you basically left it for for him there in the, in the time oh, i did okay should erase that on my character sheet then. I still have letter. Yes.
1: I think that what Alistair has come to accept is that the path that he's on with the party, its importance is so great that although in better times he would want to go to Porta Magnum to heal the sick and that, right now he
0: is, like, duty-bound to
1: do this sort of thing, you know?
0: He's already bound on his road and and can't uh, can't change. Very good. So where do you think Alistair's going in the future? Or should we call him Cotter? He's going in the future. I don't think he wants to be Cotter.
1: I think he wants to remain Alistair. Because Alistair is what the people who he knows know him by. And it's... I mean, it's still not associated with the family that he left for reasons not yet stated. Mm -hmm. But, um... Alistair is more of who he is now. Cotter was the person who was over in Porta Magnum, the second son of that person. And Alistair is the paladin healing the sick when he can, unfortunately. And... Something else I want to see Alistair doing more of is, like, sort of, sometimes the party, and myself included, we can sometimes forget, or we can get the, like, gamey distance from it, where it's the, like... This way like, video game adventure, steal anything that doesn't, or take anything that doesn't penalize you for being taken. And sometimes you have to, like, think about, wait, if I take this, like, brilliant sword off the wall of this crypt, it's not going to be... No one's going to, like, explicitly get mad at me, but would I want to be the kind of person who goes around into crypts taking brilliant swords off the wall? Yes, And I hope to think about that. Yeah, you have to get into your character. Pull back, um... No one from... Because no one would probably, like, ransack everything if, like, people allowed him to. Well, he's
0: tried to in the past.
1: Yeah. And so... Maybe act as... If I can, act as sort of a... Moral compass? Moral restraint. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a compass, because that means that I can, like, direct them. But moral restraint. Pull them back from things we do that are too bad. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, like, where, like, ability-wise Alistair will end up, because, I mean, it seems that he's doing a good enough job just using most of his spell slots, hitting things very hard, but... It it is what paladins do. Yeah. And especially, like, all the dice, That's, that's a perk of the job. Um, but... Maybe we might see some more difficult enemies
0: where I need to hold back more spell slots. Yeah, very good. So, uh, obviously, um, Alistair slash Cotter is a complex character, and it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes and uh, where his final backstory reveal pops out. It should be very interesting. So, yeah, of course. Looking for that. Well, speaking of that, when when you ran into it, your friend in, in uh, Kaleskwe. I remember after the episode was done, you said, Dad, you would do that to me. And I turned to you and said, Bryce, I had picked out when every player is going to run to their backstory as soon as they gave it to me. I knew exactly where in the story it was going to happen. And you kind of looked, me, well, you did? I said, yeah, we did. So, so yeah. It'll be interesting to see where the rest of the backstory pops out too because that's already in the cars as well.
1: Yeah, it would be nice to learn more? I mean, pretty much I, Alistair and I feel that um, Arlen's backstory, Arlen, he's not hiding any more from us and I think that Adrie mostly is telling everything. There might be like a few things but, and I, I believe or is that how you say his name? Are mm-hmm. we actually? Gernvild, yeah. Okay. That he's doesn't know and that's kind of worrying because if he doesn't know then none of us c- then he can't even prepare like i yeah for alistair all you know you're gonna come around the corner and there'll be a whole pre- bunch of people yeah.
0: looking for you guys with bows and axes
1: yeah alistair had some time to prepare and like worry about getting caught and that sort of thing but with carnival it's like oh he's he we don't know what could go wrong and he doesn't know what could go wrong Exactly, yeah. And finally, no one? It's kind of. I mean, we know he ended up at the monastery after some period where he did something that we don't really know. But he went to the, his monastery and came out with uh, Adri off to. Low Ford when you guys Low met Ford up there. To yeah. do whatever.
0: What did they plan
1: on doing? Were they just there to join them?
0: Um, it was never really clear they why just... um, they were out there. They both, uh, cl- you know, obviously it's, it's come out in the uh, story that Adri was sent out of the monastery by the uh, uh, mysterious elf to mm-hmm. get you guys kicked off down the road. And she was supposed to go and, and find what's been causing all the troubles in the land. Uh, but, yeah, it's never been clear, clear exactly why No One uh, was, was released from the Although, I mean, No One, if it's just, like,
1: a send someone with, that would make sense. But then again, if Adri had that big of a deal, it's kind of interesting why they just send some... I mean, yeah, it's just complex. And then, in addition to why he left, what? how did he get there? And... Does how he got there have anything that'll mess with us later?
0: Come back to bite you in the butt later? Yeah. All right, we'll just have to do these mysteries on top of mysteries in this group. So anyways. Yeah. But anyways, well, thank you, Bryce, for sitting down with us and giving us a little more info on Cotter slash Alistair. And obviously we're going to have to do this again later when Alistair's full backstory comes out, and we'll look forward to doing that. But we'll have to wait for that. For the next episode until then let us know what you think rate us on apple podcasts email us at relic of the past podcast at gmail.com follow us at relic of the past on twitter and relic of the past podcast on facebook articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com and thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head